Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Leadership Void Podcast. I'm Enrique with my co-host, Vince, to bring you the best in our veteran, military spouse, and first responder community. And Vince will introduce today's guest. Hey, thanks, Enrique. You know what? This is Mental Health Awareness Month. And guess what? We have a superstar on board on a virtual platform, Dr. <laughs> Kathy Platoni. Yes, she is the chief psychologist who is also a Dayton SWAT psychologist and editor of Combat Stress Magazine from the Do Dayton, Ohio area. Guess what? Kathy, thank you for being here. Let's start off and tell us, Dr. Platoni, a little bit about you. Okay. Well, thank you for the honor and privilege of being with you. This is very exciting for me, so I'm most appreciative. Well, I've been a mental health professional for 47 years, um, about 40 years as a clinical psychologist. Um, I joined the Army in 1979 and served for 40 years. So I would continue serving if they would let me. <laughs> But I'm, I'm very blessed because the Army paid for my doctorate. I owed them four years, and I gave them 36 more. So I'm a real field rat. <laughs> but um, I have a, a private practice in Centerville, Ohio, where I primarily see first responders, including dispatchers, because they, too, are first responders, veterans, and chronic pain patients. But right now, I'm primarily catering to uh, police officers and firefighter paramedics. I cover 40 police departments, seven fire departments, and as many veterans as I can get in the door. So that that is my passion. Um, I am also a survivor of the Fort Hood massacre. I have deployed four times in, in time of war, so I'm a combat veteran, uh, seen the worst of it, and would do it again in a New York millisecond. Um, pertaining to the Fort Hood massacre, um, I'm one of the very fortunate survivors. I was um, at the top of, well, first of all, the Fort Hood massacre occurred on 5 November 2009 as we were getting ready to deploy to Afghanistan. And I lost five friends from my unit that day. There were 13 soldiers and one civilian killed and 33 wounded. And because I was fortunate enough to survive that, and to deploy to Afghanistan a month later, uh, I feel it's my mission to give back as, as much as I can and to treat as many patients for free or on their insurance or however they can get themselves in here because I guess I survived for a reason. And that's sometimes a very, very uh, bitter lesson to swallow. A lot of survivor guilt as most of us who did walk out of there alive are carrying with us to this day. So I, I make it make it my life's dream to do whatever I can to make the quality of lives better for those who have sacrificed so much and continue to sacrifice. Well, thank you so much, uh, Kathy, for your service. 40 years is not. <laughs> Vince and I serve, but that I don't think combined, we probably got something <laughs> like that. But what a great trajectory of service. Now you're serving outside and Bless your heart. I, I I think that there is a lot of survivor guilt in a sure. lot of the things that we are involved in, uh, but you survived. And just like you said, for a reason. So thank you for the time and energy that you do 
and give for the sake of others. And we really do appreciate that. Now you do that through your, your practice. So tell us a little bit more about your practice. Sure. Um, well, um, I've was a chronic, a specialist in chronic pain management for many years and then came four deployments. I deployed during the Gulf war. Um, I deployed to, um, uh, Joint Task Force Guantanamo Bay, Iraq, and Afghanistan. So it was very hard to maintain a practice, uh, getting deployed every two or three years, um, and then trying to get started up again. But I was very fortunate that most of my patients were willing to come back. I think they just wanted to hear war stories, but <laughs> still they, they came back. So I, I really do have a thriving practice in an old historic house in a historic preservation district. So I make my office um, very homey for patients. So it, it looks like grandma's house. They all tell me that. <laughs> and um, I treat patients 12, about 12 hours a day, but I do work seven days a week because there's no way I could see that many patients that need to be seen without working seven days a week. But I have lots of energy or mania as some people might call it. Um, I also serve as one of the SWAT docs on Dayton SWAT. So whenever there's a call out, usually they come in the middle of the night. Yeah, I put on my, my SWAT uniform and my SWAT gear and head out to the scene, train with SWAT. And I, I think the one of the best parts of that is um, I'm an adrenaline junkie. So I, I, I get my addiction easily filled that way. <laughs> so some pretty exciting stuff goes down. Um, I also uh, do the uh, post-officer-involved shooting um, evaluations and treatment because uh, Dayton is um, a microcosm of a, a larger city that has homicides and officer-involved shootings on a daily basis. This entire area has had so many officer-involved shootings um, in, in the years that I've served um, the police. Uh, I've developed a specialty in that. So I, I have a very special place in my heart for those officers and firefighters and paramedics and veterans who put their lives on the line every single day and run into the danger instead of away from the danger. So um, again, my, my practice is, is full, but if there's a first responder that needs to be seen, I, I will uh, juggle to, to do anything I can, spin plates, whatever, to get them in. That's how this works. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, one thing I just thought about is, you know, first responders and veterans need to heal as well, right? Uh, oh, yes, they to, do. In addition to the community. But based on the what I'm hearing, your heart, giving your your 24-7 uh, schedule for us and first responders, it, it's just an, it talks about your, your, your capability as a human being. So thank you all. I'm going to thank you each and every day. Now I'll give you some prayers and some love right now, but, but that's Bless great... your heart, <laughs> but let's go back to grandma's house for a second. You, uh, sure. and, and those out there that want to be, want to have some lessons learned in entrepreneurship or become an entrepreneur, what challenges mm -hmm. entrepreneurship lessons you would like to share, or how would you like, how do you give back to the community? Either one of those. Well, I do as much as I can um, for veterans organizations like the American Legion and VFW. And usually that, uh, consists of it doing some keynote addresses and speaking engagements for Gold Star families, um, for um, uh, for uh, veterans treatment courts, um, and trying to inspire them and opening my door to them because 
um, many times those people that I speak to um, find that um, I have a big heart for this type of work. And there's so many mental health professionals, primarily most of them, that have no experience um, in being in the military or working in the trenches with with police and fire so um being that i've been in the trenches we we kind of are simpatico and have a lot of deep understanding and bonds because we've been through so many of the same things and have a lot of war stories to share so even though i'm i'm grandma <laughs> um those wartime experiences really do help people open up at the deepest levels because until you break your silence, you will never, ever heal. And shutting down in silence is, is really a trauma response. So helping these individuals walk through the trauma, whether in a speaking engagement, um, a, a webinar, a, a keynote address, or psychotherapy, I'm trying to reach as many people as I can to walk them through hellfire and allow them to lead a better quality life. And that's that's often an enormous challenge. Some of the other challenges of entrepreneurship are <laughs> dealing with insurance companies. Um, right now, I've whittled myself down to just a, a few insurance companies um, so that I can serve the most people, primarily Medicare, because I, there are many disabled people in my caseload and some elderly veterans as well. And Medicaid, so people that aren't necessarily employed can come in here and, and be seen, or, or I'll see them for free. That's just how this works. But the challenge of trying to build a practice with insurance, third-party payers, um, and trying to get paid on or authorized claims is probably one of the most difficult things that I've had to deal with in the years I've been with private practice. So it's it, it was bare bones for many years and learning how to manage my time so that I could see as many people as possible. I was never very good with time management, but when you're this busy, it forces you to learn how real fast. <laughs> so, um and trying to make sure that when I am out of, out of state or out of town for a speaking engagement, making sure that there is something in place if a patient has an emergency or there's an officer-involved shooting. I'm, I've, I've uh, become close to having to cancel speaking engagements because they officer-involved shootings never happen at a good time. One of the last ones was right before I had three major surgeries, so I had to make sure there was something in place while I was out recovering. So those are the primary challenges. Well, We're trying seems... to get pa <laughs> patients to remember their appointments. That's another one. <laughs> well, it seems like most of us need 24-7. You need 36-7 or 48-7. Yeah, if you could seven. get me another day and call it Bob or whatever, I would so appreciate it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's amazing what, you're, are, what you are doing, what, what we sometimes say we don't have enough time i don't see how you have enough time <laughs> but <laughs> in that time you're 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 thinking about your practice you're thinking about your clients you're thinking about those that need resources now mm -hmm. you talk about the entrepreneurship challenges of dealing with yes. third-party payers and we all know how that seems or feels in one way or another yes and there's uh there then there's the future, right? Like your workload right now is packed. So let's talk oh, yes. a little bit about the future of your practice and and what you are 
endeavoring to do there? Um, one of the things that I'd like to do um, is uh, be able to combine a lot more resources um, for particularly my, well, actually for all of my first responders and veterans, there are a number of extraordinary organizations that do uh, provide grant funding, training, group therapy, uh, support groups, um, uh, educational um, interventions, um, and advocacy. And I'd like to get more involved with some of those organizations so I know where to direct a number of my patients. Um, I'm pretty resourceful, but I, again, the time factor comes into that. I just received a wonderful list of uh, resources uh, through um, the National Center of, of PT for PTSD this morning that are directed towards veterans and first responders. So I, I have a, a table where I lay out all sorts of information for my patients, and I make sure they take it with them before they go. Um, we have a wonderful um, music therapist in this area, for instance. Her name is Julie Garrison, and she has an organization that provides free music therapy and art therapy to as many veterans and first responders as she can get to, to come to the meetings. She does phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal work. So I, I want to give a shout out to Julie. Um, of course, the, the VFW and the American Legion and the Vet Center or the Veterans Readjustment Counseling Center are outstanding resources. So I, I collect, save, and print very often. One of uh, the things that I'm most anxious to devote some time to is a form of therapy called ART or Accelerated Resolution Therapy. Um, and this type of therapy has been... Um, has been conducted for about the last 10 or 12 years. Um, and it's not eye movement desensitization reprocessing, which um, is an excellent form of treatment, but needs to be tailored to the individual. And also, also the decision needs to be made as to whether or not this is a safe approach because it can be very re-traumatizing. But accelerated uh, resolution therapy combines the enormous power of eye movements to allow actual um, structural changes in the client's mind um, to replace the traumatic memories with more positive memories. It's, it's quite intricate, but very, very powerful. And I, I like it a lot better than EMDR because the risk of re-traumatizing um, a, a patient is far less. So I'm I'm going through the paces. I, I took the 36-hour um, uh, training, and now I'm trying to put it into practice because I want to give my patients the best that I can offer them, and they, they certainly deserve that. Okay. Um, another another uh, form of, of therapy that I've been doing for many, many years is hypnotherapy. I find that to be a very, very powerful intervention. And in fact, um, I go through, I've had uh, 68 major and minor surgeries since 1983, and I go through almost every single surgery, including the last three, with either, either hypnosis as the, the sole anesthetic or hypnosis and local anesthesia. Um, 
I, I don't tolerate anesthesia at all. It, it destroys my memory. And that's that's a career ender in this business. I don't recommend that my patients go through major surgery with hypnosis as the sole anesthetic, unless there's no way they can tolerate chemical anesthesia. But in terms of healing trauma, teaching people how to manage stress more effectively, um, teaching them how to, how to um, work through depression, Anger, anxiety, and chronic pain, very, very powerful intervention. So using those two forms of, of therapy, um, I think, I, well, I owe it to my patients to, uh, again, give them the best of the best and to continue to study different forms of intervention that are most beneficial for, for the client or the patient. You are the epitome of an individual that is doing the practice to the best of her ability, understanding what's out there, trying to implement the best practices. And, best practices. And, That's right. Yes. And have those resources, you know, music therapy and others have those tangible resources to give. So I, I love what I'm hearing. And I hope everyone out there listening in can understand <laughs> the value of what this one amazing human being is doing for not only Dayton, Ohio, but their family members and those that follow suit. So kudos to you again. I can't say that. Thank we you. cannot say that enough. <laughs> um, you, you again stated early on, thanks to the army for, you know, giving you the four years in your PhD and you gave them 40, right? 40 years total. Uh, now that's, that's a little insane. I, I, I get it. <laughs> or a lot. <laughs> no, but it, obviously, you know, uh, you speaking from the heart, speaking as an experience, uh, the, a person that has the wisdom and, and that can definitely people gravitate to you based on your experience. So that's that's amazing. So I already heard things you do to sharpen your skill set. Thirty six hours of getting that that uh, certification under your belt. Is there anything else you do to thrive to help you uh, in your professional life? Well, there's something else unusual that I do for patients that have difficulty confronting their fears, um, and this is only if they want to. Now I'm a skydiver. Now I will say I only do tandem dives because I'll otherwise end up in Oklahoma because I only weigh like 90 pounds. But it, the truth is I, I really don't have time to go to ground school. But as a confronting their fears and finding a thrill of a lifetime, and in addition, letting go of that fear, because as you're doing that free fall, it is amazing from a psychological perspective how much tension and anguish and angst and anxiety just falls off of you. And then when you when you open the chute, it is the most peaceful feeling I've ever experienced in my life. It is the, for me, it's the ultimate stress management. Most people are smart enough not to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, like my Air Force husband, who would, in a million years wouldn't think of doing that. But I have taken a number of police officers skydiving with me. And I plan to do it again this year. I know. Total lunacy. <laughs> I love it. I, I'm, I'm like, how much more can you pack into one life? There's just, there's just so much. And, and who would have thought, right? If you want to do away with fear, jump out of a plane, jump out of a plane. You'll be scared of anything again after that. No, I, lo I love it. I, I love your energy. I love what you do. I'm so appreciative of the way you approach 
service because it, it seems like it's not just providing one thing. It's looking out for what, how best to serve. And yes, there's very yes. little, there's a little amount of people that actually go beyond just providing a service. You continuously are looking for better ways to serve. And it's evident in all that you do. Now, when you were in the military, you, you got those four years, you, you, bless them with a tenfold on that four years. I don't know that they'd see it that way, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but we see it that way. Uh, and, and you must've learned a lot of things. You you're always uh, at the service front and, but you received some advice. You received some, uh, some enlightenment throughout that journey. Yes. What would some of those things be that you would like to share with a, an emerging leader today? You know, I think one of the, the the people who has mentored me the most, who is familiar to both of you, is is Colonel D.J. Reyes. Um, even though I'm not in the military currently, understanding retrospectively what a good leader looks like and how you must seek mentors and seek to mentor – as well as to be humble enough to own your shortcomings and failures and to be upfront about them is absolutely critical to leadership. Um, I made some terrible mistakes along the way. I'm, I, I may be a good clinician, but I am, I'm not a great leader, but I've learned from some great leaders. I've also been exposed to some horrific toxic leadership, particularly in the wartime theater. Um, and none of those leaders that I refer to as toxic ever owned the damages that they did to our troops to the point that so many people in my unit were suicidal. And in fact, one did take his life after we returned from Afghanistan. Um, I've learned what to look for in people that I seek out in, in my civilian career as good leaders to mentor me and and. Colonel Reyes, again, a shout out to him, um, is certainly one of them. Um, I think facing your own failures, owning them, and relying on your NCOs, who are the backbone of the military, is extremely important. I think never looking the other way when you when you see damages being done by a leader is absolutely critical to survival and that is a big reason that some people do take their lives when you're away from home and can't go go home every night and find your support systems when you're confronted with a toxic leader who is willing to do anything to damage you to further their own careers that can be life-ending i have witnessed it myself um i have also witnessed um a, a very well when I was a, a commander of a, a very small uh, combat stress detachment in Guantanamo Bay, Cuba, um, there was a, a situation in which um, an individual should have been relieved for cause, and I should have sent that person home, um, and I never did. Um, she was ultimately promoted, became a, a um, high-ranking officer, was sent to Iraq, and as I understand it, because when I was the chief psychologist for the Army Reserve, I was taking care of as many soldiers overseas as I could by, by email. That's all we had. Um, the damage that she, this person did um, 
probably has had a lifelong ripple effect. Um, ultimately, she was relieved for cause, and I should have done something um, to stop to stop this person long before this happened. And I, I regret that terribly. Long, long chain of damages. Um, when I confronted um, my commander in Afghanistan many times over for not doing her job, she was a major, I was a full bird colonel, but still she was the commander. Um, it did not go well for me. And um, it cost me $11,000 in legal fees to clear my record because I had the audacity to stand up for what right looks like. Um, I will never regret that at all, but having uh, sworn statements that amounted to perjury because I, I did a, a FOIA or Freedom of Information request, or rather my attorney did and got them, and five people were forced to write false statements against, against me and all later apologized because they were afraid of the commander who outranked them and had to lie. So um, I'm glad I stood up to that. It was a very, very painful process. But you know that this, this is my favorite quote. And this kind of states the case pretty beautifully. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. Well, that's not me. Um, and at, at my rank, I felt it was my responsibility to do that. So for me, there was a happy ending. I can sleep at night because I did the right thing. It was very costly, but nevertheless, it was the right thing. Absolutely. I think there's, a, there's a real leadership void going on in the military right now. I don't think we have to look very far past the Navy's recruiting video uh, to understand that. <laughs> <laughs> speaking with integrity speaking with honesty you know not holding back a lot of great advice here you know owning your your shortcomings owning your failures finding a mentor uh as dj reyes as we have had him on the podcast yes as well. so um thank you for standing up for what you believe is right and and calling it out because some folks that that's basically true leadership there so I appreciate everything I heard and, and what well, you continue you. to do <laughs> now. <laughs> now. Let me ask you this other question. Uh, love to hear what you consider your most memorable leadership aha moment you have had either in your 40 plus years in the military or in your private practice. I think one of the most powerful leadership experiences I had was again, going back to, um, what I witnessed in, in my own um, combat stress detachment at Guantanamo Bay, that was an, an enormous wake-up call. And when I did finally confront the situation, um, thing, things did improve um, for, for the entire detachment. Um, I should have done it much earlier on in the game. That was an enormous wake-up call. But that was... Those were such powerful teaching moments that when our deployment was over um, and we were given our awards as we were leaving the island, I noticed that I had a different award from everybody else. And it was um, the um, distinguished, oh boy, it was one, one step higher than the Meritorious Service Medal. It was the distinguished 
meritorious service medal, something like that. And the rest of my team got meritorious service medals. Well, I refused it. I said, unless you give us all the same award, I'm not accepting this. I will accept the downgrade because everybody on this team did a phenomenal job, put themselves on the line day and night, performed magnificently, even, even the problem person. I'm not accepting a higher award than theirs. So there you have it. Hey, very brave, very honest of you. And a sure sign of leadership when you can say something's up here. And, you know, this defense meritorious service medal that you want to give me is not at the right capacity. And I will gladly uh, assume the same position everybody else here has. And, and so kudos to you for making that leadership call, you know, and that was a change, right? That was a change for them. And I'm sure. It, that, yeah, they were, they were shocked. <laughs> and it caused some challenges. So that's the question <laughs> I wanted to ask you right now is that, you know, what sort of strategies do you use when those times of challenge and change come? I, I go right to the source and explain to them as professionally as I can. I have to usually tone down my, my anger and my mania. So I usually write things down. I write out bullet points and what message needs to be communicated without the emotion in it and explain my position. It's, it's really that simple. And if they disagree with me, I'll probably take it one step higher because doing not doing what right looks like is too costly. I, I, it happens far too often. I'm, I'm not going to look the other way. So if there's, if there's a way to communicate the message, I'm going to make it happen. So I've had to go in, in the back door an awful lot, but you know, when you're four feet and 11 three, and three quarter inches tall and you weigh about 90 pounds size doesn't often get the message across. So I've learned to use my mouth and my pen. <laughs> we love this. You know, I, I can definitely see, I think I understand why DJ Ray, it's called you the Tasmanian devil now. Right? <laughs> I totally understand that. But... That is so accurate. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're just so honored to have you again. This is a mental health awareness month. And one quote I'll say for folks, if you haven't heard it, she said in this podcast until you break the silence you will not heal so folks understanding that it takes yes. that but it takes a great clinician clinician like this individual dr potoni so folks listening in how do they get a hold of you contact you or your private practice very easy uh my phone number is 937-321-4020 i do not pick up when i'm with in, in session with a patient but Leave a, leave a recording on my voicemail, and I will get back to you within 24 hours, usually less. The other way to get a hold of me is through email, and I have a very unusual email address. It's Dr. Runt, one word, D-R-R-U-N-T, <laughs> at W-O-H dot R-R dot com. We're going to put that as part of the show notes and video, so you can get a hold of Dr. Platoni and her great yes. services if you need them. If you need to contact us at the Leadership Void Podcast, the Leadership Void at gmail.com is where you'll send that correspondence. If you would like to see a guest or a topic covered dealing with leadership so that me and Vince can consider that, send it to that email and we will do so. And absolutely. Thank you. 
we thank you first and foremost. And we also want to thank our sponsors. We have Triple Nickel, VEI, and also Favob. But today is all about Dr. Platoni. We want to really say hats off to you. Thank you for everything you're doing and continue success in your future. Thank you so very, very much. This this was just delightful. And if there's somebody out there who needs some help, direction, or resources, do not hesitate to contact me, please. 